White Rocket Entertainment, podcast number 776. Hey guys, this is Cole Kublik from WJOX in Birmingham and the SEC Network, and you're listening to the AU Wishbone. The bowl game didn't work out, but help is on the way, and hey, Alabama lost, <laughs> and the Hoops team looks dominant too. The AU Wishbone is next. listening to the AU Wishbone, almost credible sports discussion on the White Rocket Entertainment Network. Bye-bye, Bo! From the palatial White Rocket Studios in Southern Illinois and Eastern Virginia, it's the AU Wishbone Podcast, John. How are you tonight? It's actually kind of like in the morning again. <laughs> Good morning and Happy New Year, Van and listeners. Excited to be here. Yeah, it's January 2nd as we are recording this in the morning for a change. Well, we did, I guess, last time too. Um, and um, and uh, we are here to talk about several big things going on. We've got the uh, the big last night. We got to stay up late watching the big uh, semifinal bowl games, which were both very entertaining and both close. Came down to the very end, both of them. Both of them involved basically the equivalent of goal line stands by the winning team against the attacking loser. And uh, and we were talking about Alabama, so we we're definitely talking about losers. And uh, <laughs> and we've also got basketball stuff to talk about. We've got Auburn to talk about, football. All that's going on, but of course we have to start it out first. It's the Auburn Fun Meter. This is our weekly look at how much fun, between 0 and 10, it is to be an Auburn fan this week. And this is, this is really the definition this morning of a mixed bag. Because mm-hmm. there's things to be very happy about, and there's things to be kind of disappointed and sad about, all kind of conglomerated together. This is exactly right. How do I weigh those things? We have yeah. the bowl game loss. We mm-hmm. still have the glow of signing day. Mm-hmm. We have the basketball team doing great, and Alabama lost. You know, so that as an Auburn fan, all those things are together. But the bowl, you know, last week I was really high after the signing day, but I, with the bowl game loss, I'm going to say I'm like a. You know, I'm happy about Alabama losing. I'm happy about basketball, but I can't be too happy because of the bowl game loss. I'm going to say I'm like a four and a half. Wow. Okay. I think just the the bowl game to me is kind of rolled off now, and I'm still focused okay. on the basketball coming up and on Alabama losing. I was so excited last night when Alabama <laughs> lost. I was running around <laughs> hollering like we'd won a we'd like we had won. To me, it's almost the same thing. When Alabama loses, it's like Auburn winning. Uh, Boris passed out with his little feet sticking up in the air. So um, I'm going to say uh, seven. Okay. That's yeah. fair. Yeah, yeah it, it, you're right. The, the Auburn Bowl game does temper that a bit. But it's it's been a few days. I'm I'm kind of past it now. Um, all right. So we got a little bit of football news to start things out with. Charles Kelly. He is. So we have a new assistant coach joining the staff. Charles Kelly is – leaving Colorado and coming to Auburn to be the safeties coach and co-defensive coordinator. He's a guy we've talked about in this podcast several times as a potential Auburn 
staff member mm-hmm. and it never worked out. Mm-hmm. And now he is here. Um, he is known as an outstanding recruiter. I think one of the services named him the best recruiter of the year the last year um, among all assistant coaches. He's a, an Auburn alum mm-hmm. and uh, somebody that was here a long time ago and then has worked at Florida State and Alabama and Tennessee and Colorado and um, moves into the spot vacated by Wesley McGriff, uh, who is moved to an off-field role and then left and went to Texas A&M in the last few days. So he's the guy that was the rumor that Gus really wanted as defensive coordinator in, I I believe, 2016 when we hired Kevin Steele instead. We were disappointed we didn't get Charles Kelly, and we settled for Kevin Steele. It worked out. It worked worked out out, fine. It worked out fine, but at the time, that was who we wanted. Now, his stock was at an all-time high at that point because he was at Florida State. They were doing really well. He... I guess he kind of stepped in for the guy that was their defensive coordinator when they beat us and then went on to be the Tennessee coach, the Alabama guy that went on to be the mm-hmm. Tennessee coach, right? Can't think of his name. Um, had good defenses at Florida State. Um, it's kind of – I don't know if you can really say recruiter of the year at Colorado when Deion Sanders is what you're selling. I mean, he didn't have to do a whole lot of heavy lifting, right? No, but he's a guy who, out, even outside of Colorado, has an outstanding reputation. When he, he was at Alabama for a few years as assistant before that, and a lot of the big-time defensive players who went to Alabama in that time period, Kelly's recruit, uh, credited with being the primary recruiter on. Mm-hmm. So a guy that was a, a difference maker there and a difference maker at you know at Florida State as well when he was there. So I think that's a you know a big thing is we they wanted a guy who's you know he knows the SEC he knows. Mm-hmm. You know what it takes to be a successful recruiter and position coach in this league, and and a guy who can come in and if we're losing McGriff, we need a guy who can come in and and do that level of recruiting. Well, I, I was going to say it really does speak to the fact that Freeze just keeps this relentless focus on recruiting, and if anybody out there is like, well, he doesn't need to focus quite so much on recruiting, no. This is what we have to do. We ha- Remember, we've said it over and over, John. We have to build up our player level to the level of our, comp- of our uh, rivals around us. And quite honestly, I didn't think that was possible. But if it's going to happen, this is how you do it, by just relentlessly focusing on it and bringing in increasingly dominant classes. I didn't think we could do it or if we did I thought it would take a decade and a whole sea change. I you know, I thought it was going to have to wait until both Saban and Smart are gone or something. But if we're going to do it in our lifetimes basically, this is how you do it with just like a a, a full court press from every direction of bringing in the best players. And, that, and that's what we're that's what we're doing. Yep. I know it makes sense and again, if we have vacancy they weren't looking around for who's the best at coaching the technique or whatever. They wanted somebody who could do that, but also was the best recruiter. And you write that it because it's important. Mm-hmm. There it is. So yeah, we'll we'll so we'll see. I am curious about what happened with McGriff though, because he was. I remember during the season he took a step back or something and was working with players like off the field or something. And then they, then they said, well, he's going to have an off the field role going forward. And we're going to, you know, and then he just left to take the same job at Texas A&M. So what, what the heck happened? 
I think what happened is he and Roberts didn't see eye to eyes. You know, oh. Roberts was the defense coordinator and his boss in this scenario, and so I think they had some disputes about you know what it, schemes or depth charts or whatever, mm-hmm. and okay. you know technique or whatever it was, and and they had some disputes, and so it was a yeah. I think that's when McGriff stepped back and did the off the field thing, and so I think he was still on the sideline. He was still helping out with. Uh, recruiting, whatever, but he wasn't coaching players and in the defensive meetings. Um, and so then, you know, I think he could have stayed at Auburn, and I think he likes Auburn, but A&M offered him an on, back being on the field role, and he mm. wanted that, so he took it. Oh, okay. There you go. So, all right. So Charles Kelly going to be um, primarily coaching the secondary and his co-defen- co-defensive coordinator to me sounds like something you give him to pay him enough money to come to Auburn, but I'm sure that Ron Roberts is still going to be the guy, right? Yeah, I mean, I think it's a title thing, too. He was defensive coordinator at Colorado, so he can't take a demotion to come here, yeah. right? It has to be an even level yeah. thing, at least. Yeah, for sure. I, and I would just say, if Roberts left tomorrow and Kelly was going to be the defensive coordinator, I wouldn't be happy. Like I, I have a, I, after this season, I have a lot of faith in Roberts, mm-hmm. and I don't want to see him go anywhere. So yeah, I'm it's fine with only being code DC if that's what you have to do to get him. But right, isn't it funny how that worked out though? That um, that at the beginning of the season, coming into the season, that was what we were worried about. Yes. And it ended up the defense was the strength of the team, that and special teams, and it well, with one notable exception, and it was the uh, offense that ended up being. Mm-hmm. The, the the lead weight we dragged throughout most of the season, so including against Maryland, which we're going to get to now. The Music City Bowl, which right, I have to say up front, I had tickets and a parking pass to this game, and I was not able to go. And because so, you had a premonition. <laughs> and so I'm so glad <laughs> that it worked out the way it did because the thought of driving five hours, watching that first quarter, and then driving five hours back is not something I would have. Uh, I was in, 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 instead I was able to watch all the bowl games and the basketball game. We'd have been still driving home during the basketball game, so it worked out really for the best ultimately. Um, but I still was disappointed. But we had issues here and we couldn't go. And I and I went on Twitter and 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 said, is it anybody that really can go and wants to go but doesn't have tickets and a parking pass? And I was I had to turn down a couple of people that just wanted the parking pass because I wanted to give the whole thing as a as a package. Yeah. And I had a guy who he and his kid would love to go. He says if he, he says if this is legit, I'll take my day off of work right now. And I was like, it's legit, I promise. And I sent him the tickets and they I guess they went had a good, hadn't heard back, but I guess they went and had a good time at least until good that was until, very nice until the game actually started and then. <laughs> I so, listen. I don't know how big of a favor I did him, really. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> He's going to file a suit against you. Yeah. Emotional distress. <laughs> Emotional distress of his child. No kidding. All right. So, 31 to 13. I have thoughts about this game because obviously it started out just like the 1994 Iron Bowl, where the opponent got three straight touchdowns to start the game and we went down 21 to nothing and then after that we adjusted and they really didn't score again the rest of the way um maryland only scored three more offensive points the rest of the entire game other than that little thing at the beginning the way it worked at the beginning so while i was mad and disappointed and sad when the game was over 
and and still incredibly disappointed in the offense, right? Because they could have gotten back in it with any offense at all, the way the defense played after the first quarter. Yes, but instead, right. the the offense scored three but gave up seven. Mm-hmm. So the so the so the offense ended up being negative four in terms of scoring. Um, well, they did. Well, they got a couple field goals too, so or whatever. So they got no, they got a touchdown and missed extra, missed for two. Yeah, they went for two and missed it. That was it. So the offense scored 13 but gave up seven. Okay. More about that in a minute. So how do you evaluate Auburn's problem in this game? What was the deal? I mean, I think Maryland came out more ready and focused to play in the first few minutes of the game than Auburn did. And I think they had a better plan at the beginning for their offensive defense than Auburn did. I think, like you said, Auburn's defense adjusted to that plan and settled down after the first few series, but by then we were in a big hole, and the offense was was not, you know, good enough that day to overcome the hole that we dug ourselves. Um, I so I, I think you know, I don't blame the opt outs for the, what happened because I think both teams had players opt out of the game. Yeah, um, I think Auburn just came out flat, and and that was it. Like I think Maryland came out ready to go 100 miles an hour and kind of jump on us, and they did it, and that was the difference. Um, and I was surprised by how effective they were with their backup quarterbacks in the first quarter. But they made it work. Now they played two different quarterbacks, kind of alternating a little bit. Mm-hmm. Well, when I knew that we were in trouble was when they got down to like our three-yard line and then their little scrawny passing quarterback just power ran right up the middle over our defensive guys into the end zone. I'm like, if we can't even stop that, what are we even doing out here? You know, that was just sad. Well. And then on the other side, when we lined up to run the ball, <sighs> no hole, no gap, Nothing. no push, nowhere. Nothing. Yeah, the off- it's like the offensive line wasn't even out there. It was really sad. So, yeah, so they did whatever they wanted, and we couldn't do anything to start the game. And and you mentioned creativity or lack thereof. I, I just felt like when we played in our last game, we saw them. We played Alabama, and we pulled out a bunch of creative stuff we hadn't done all year in the run game. Mm-hmm. And we threw all that out the window in this game, but went back to just like inside zone run 20 times and it did nothing. Like, I just felt like we weren't, um, it's a bowl game. We should kind of pull some stuff out there and have fun with it. And I don't feel like our offensive game plan was that great. I mean, Maryland's run defense is okay. They play in the big 10. There's a bunch of big physical teams that want to run the ball on you. They were ready for the kind of pound the ball up the middle thing. And I think, you know, we didn't do a lot else to to shake them up. I, you know, they were ready for Thorne to run the ball, and when he did, he took a beating too. He That's didn't get anything. Um, I want to look at the at the box score here for just a second. Um, we don't normally always do this, but I think it's instructive um, yes. in this particular case. I've got the scoring summary, but I'm trying to find the. Uh, okay, here it goes. Yeah, first downs, Auburn 20, Maryland 15. Okay, so we got mm-hmm. five more first downs in them. Um, we had 76 yards net rushing to 102 for them. So they did have more rushing yards, but it was close. Passing yards, would you believe we had 224 to just 208 from them? You tell me that they only had 208 yards passing and 102 yards rushing. I'm like, how did they get 31 points? Well, we'll get to that. I think that they must have gotten 200 of that 300 yards offense in the first quarter. I think we'll come back to this. I, I, I want to talk about Auburn's offense in terms of like Hank Brown and not Hank Brown. Right, right. 
But I, it just blows my mind that we had, in total offense, they had 310, we had 300. They had 10 more yards of total offense than we did, and yet 31 to 13. Mm-hmm. And, and the score, let me go ahead and say this while I'm thinking about it. So 31 to 13, take away the, just, just for the sake of argument, take away the pick six. Now it's 24 yeah. to 13, all right? Don't go for two. It's 20, the first time, it's 21 to 14. Um, and then kick the two field goals when we're down inside like the 10 yard line and kept going for it. And now it's 24 to 20? 20. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, so it's a much closer game if just a few tiny things. See, this this is what I'm trying to get at. What I'm getting at is it felt like we got blown out. And certainly in the first quarter, we did get blown out. It was going to be 84 to nothing after the yes. first quarter. But when you stop and look at the whole game, it was it was if we hadn't made a couple of horrendous give them points mistakes and put ourselves chasing points, it was effectively a 24 to 20 game with us one score away, one touchdown away from winning the game. So, I mean, I'm not making excuses. I'm not I'm just I'm just saying after the first quarter, it was a much different game. Now you can say, well, after they got 21 to nothing, they could take their foot off the gas, whatever. And that's fair enough. That's certainly fair enough. But I just feel like this game was much closer than the score indicated because of just this collapse at the very beginning. It was kind of like it was kind of like the opposite in terms of chronology of that famous 85 Auburn Florida State game, where in the like going into the going into the fourth quarter of that game, it was like. Uh, 28-27 Auburn, and the final score was 59-27 to Auburn because everything that could go wrong went wrong for Florida State in the last four or five drives. It was just the opposite of that. It happened at the beginning, and then it was even the rest of the way. So I just I just wanted to kind of get that out, that this was not an 84 to nothing game, and that's not to make excuses or anything else. It's just it was closer than – objects are cl- in the mirror are closer than they appear. Um, that's fair. And then um, – Time of possession, 32 to 28 hour way. Again, at the beginning of the game, it seemed like we couldn't stay on the field for more than three plays. And yet we ended up with a more time of possession than they had. Um, we both had the same number of third down conversions. and uh, They had yeah. more penalties. Yeah. We, we turned it over four times. We had two interceptions that's, and two fumbles. And I think that's go. a big, big piece of it. Yep. Um, it is. So. Um, I want to look at individual real quick for Auburn. Uh, all right, here, let's look at the quarterbacks. Peyton Thorne, 13 for 27 for 84 yards, one touchdown, one interception, long of 18. Sacked three times. Mm-hmm. Hank Brown, 7 of 9, 132 yards, a 53-yard long one, no sacks, no touchdowns. Um, Gurner, one completion and one interception in six attempts. That So everybody's talking about Hank Brown coming out of this game. Wow, he had a really good fourth quarter. We don't know how much stock to put in that. It could be that, you know, he did great. It could be he's going up against, you know. I, you know, you, you, if you say he's going up against weaker opposition, well, I would point out that he had his third-string guys in around him too, like Cobb, who's good, but he wasn't. He didn't have uh, Jarquez or, or Damari out there either. Um, the surprise to me really was how poorly Holden Gurner did. Yes. One for but, six with I, an interception. 
I agree. I think Gerner was a disappointment. I, I think Thorne was a disappointment. I th- we had yeah. come into this game with the, oh, yeah. Thorne's going to be the guy. We're not going to go get a quarterback. Yeah. We'll be fine next year. And then did this game shake your faith in Thorne as our starting quarterback in 2024? Did it make you feel like that was a mistake? To, to, to quote, um, oh, crap. I can't think of the guy's going to say the actor from The Godfather and uh, and Goodfellas. A um, little bit, a little bit. Uh, yeah, <laughs> I, Robert well, De Niro. To quote Robert De Niro, a little bit. Yeah. And on the other side, Hank Brown fever, catch it. Yeah, it's big. It's blazing. Um, well, more about that in a second. The running backs really quickly. Jarquez Hunter, 13 carries, 44 yards. Damari, nine carries for 24 yards. Not great. Um, just a 2.6 average for Damari. Uh, Jeremiah Cobb, three carries for four yards. It felt like, I think he must have had his gains in the passing game or something because I felt like he had a couple of good plays. Thorne ran nine times for 16 yards, a negative 0.6 average. Wow. Uh, let's, let's give it up for the stud, though. The star of the show was Oscar. Oscar Chapman. One carry for 10 yards and a first down. Who saw that coming? Nobody. Yeah, that was awesome. Yeah, Jeremiah Cobb had two receptions for 17 yards. I knew he got some yards some way. It was more catching the ball, but that's good. All right, and the other person we got to mention, while Caleb Burton and Rivaldo Fairweather both had five catches, um, and and Burton got the 53-yarder from Brown at the end, Rivaldo Fairweather was the only thing working earlier in the game. We built the whole plane out of Rivaldo in the first half, basically. So. Yeah. He should have had 20 targets or something instead of five. I mean. Agree. Yeah. The rest of the receivers, eh, 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 not so great. Nope. All right. So we, we kind of talked about some of the specifics. Um and I want to talk about the quarterback a little bit more, but I just want your overall sense here. Well, we're going to get to big picture in just a second, so let's let's be thinking about the overall big picture because let's we've got a couple more things we're going to do. All right, we've we've toyed around with this quarterbacks. You just asked me, I'll ask you back. What is your thoughts about the, what are your thoughts about the quarterback situation now? I went into the game with kind of a, having accepted and come to acceptance with Peyton Thorne as our starter in 2024, and that we'd be okay there if we. Increased the talent around him, and he had spring practice to go through. Um, but he, again, was not good in this game. And, you know, I think, you know, maybe an off season of getting, you know, not, not being banged up and going through spring practice and building, you know, good coordination with the receivers will put him in a good place to be effective next year. Um, but I also feel like he sometimes hesitates to get rid of the ball, right? He hesitates yeah. to throw the ball, yeah. and he holds it. And I one, I'm not saying again. Hank Brown played against the backups, and and Maryland was you know backing off on defense stuff. They, he was not facing the same pressure that Thorne did, but he was decisive and he got rid of the. And it's a big difference you could see between him and Garner is he came in and attacked and was aggressive with throwing the ball. And I'm not saying we should start Hank Brown next year, but I'm saying. Would I be stunned at some point next season if Hank Brown or Walt you know, uh, Walker White started a game? No, I would not. No. Now, Holden Gurner, ah, he did not help his stock at all, and that's really no. disappointing because all we've heard about him is what a great passer he is, and I think we saw maybe why he didn't beat out Peyton Thorne now. Yeah, and again, I'm, you know, 
he's an experienced guy who has a good throwing arm. We could keep him on the bench as a you know, breaking case of glass. We we need something. But if we had to go win multiple games, he would not be my first choice among the backups. I can say that. No. No. Um, all right. So we'll see how the quarterback situation shakes out. But the one thing we do know is that Freeze said it's wide open now. Well, and then there were rumors that Auburn was going after transfer portal quarterbacks on Monday. Uh, oh, there's wow. a guy, Cam Ward, who was the Washington State transfer, who had you know visited, I think, Florida State, Miami, and some other schools were talking to him. And apparently Auburn reached out on Monday, but then he decided he wasn't going to transfer. He was going to go ahead and declare for the draft. So he did that. Mm. But I think Auburn had definitely at least made contact wow. uh, with him. So I don't, you know... I don't think that means Auburn's going to, you know, go crazy with pursuit of a quarterback, but I think at least we're going to kick the tires on some probably. Yeah, might as well. Well, yeah, because we got a good one coming in, but he's going to be a true freshman, so you probably don't want to throw him out there Bo Nix style on day one as all, as all you've got. Hopefully you've got better than, you know, we've got some other options in, instead of, you know, what we had in 2019. So, um all right, so what about the defense? They felt like they got better over time, but they were just not good at the beginning. Yeah, but missed tackles, missed assignments, bad angles. We did not get pressure on their quarterbacks beginning of the game. And really, defense kind of came out. And those you know, kind of guys out of position making bad uh, efforts to tackle, I think that was all in the first few series. And it was really just a few players and a few plays, but it mattered, and it uh, – it helped dig that hole that we were in, right? Because Maryland was rolling up and down the field, and some of it was because of things we were doing or not doing. Uh, but they did settle down, and they did adjust, and, and, and the tackling and the angles got better as the game went along. And I, we did play a lot of young guys, especially in the secondary, but on the defensive line, too. And I think they all kind of settled down and played better as the game went along. But at the beginning, it was uh, it was not pretty. No. Um, but we did see a lot of those new guys who hadn't played much this year play. Bobby, Jameson, Travis. Um, we saw a lot of Caleb Wooden. A lot of we saw Colton Hood and Sylvester Smith, Kay and Lee. A lot of those guys getting a lot of time who had not you know, played much to that point. All right, so let's look at the big picture then. Um, just, I mean, I, I kind of gave the counter argument there a minute ago for why the sky was not completely falling. Of course, we still lost, and it still made a bad impression at the beginning. Kind of overall big picture, what do you see coming out of that bowl game? It's one of the big challenges for me I saw coming out of this game is that this Auburn team, the 2023 Auburn team, was very inconsistent. That they had games when they played like a, a team that could beat teams that were playoff caliber teams, and they had other weeks and other quarters when they looked completely unprepared and incompetent, right? Like, and, yeah. and, and the players weren't ready to play. And I think there was a lot of discussion after the game about this, mm. by, especially by the players. And I think we talked about this a week or two ago. I, I think this is the thing I want to see, like, in the, the next season is more of a we know what to expect from this team every week. And not we're rolling a dice and a die, and it'll we'll see what comes up, right? Yeah. With this team, will, they're getting closer to using the maximum amount of our abilities every week going forward. And then if we're not good enough to beat a team, we're not good enough. But we, it's not because 
well, today we didn't show up and play close to our level. And I, I want to I want to read one or two things some of the players said after the game. Oh, I think yeah. They were really important. For sure. Um, this Keldrick Falk said this. He said, I mean, that's that standard starts in meetings. At meetings, you're 10 to 15 minutes early. You're looking the coach in his eyes. You're paying attention. You're writing down notes. When you get to practice, you're working on your technique. Outside of practice, you're working on your technique on your own. It's little stuff like that. Hmm. Um, Good deal. And we want to build off that. And like being on the field on game day, that standard is going to be resilience. No quit, no backing down from nobody. That's a standard we want to build. We're coming off and hitting you in the mouth. That's a standard we're coming for. Okay, we need 22 of him. Yes, and I think Eugene Asante said some similar stuff after the game. So, but I, a little bit of what I hear in there is that not every player was doing those things, right? And so that needs to be. Mm-hmm. And I think Thorne talked about this a little bit, where he said we have to get together as a group, the players, and say this is what our expectations are of each other, and write it down, and then hold each other accountable to those things. Yeah. Well, and Free said that there's a there's a case in the locker room of the disease of me which I take it to be a way of saying kind of selfishness. It's about me. It's not about the team. So yes, we don't know which players everybody's talking about, but clearly there are some still in the mix that are not really bought in or are not playing as a team. So, yep. And that's, it's not helping, right? Uh, we have to work through that stuff and we have to get to the place where we're, you know, we don't get up for the big games. Every game we're playing against the standard that we have for ourselves and the expectation that we're going to, you know, everybody's going to be fully prepared to play as hard as they can. Mm -hmm. Um, And I think once you get to a place where you have better talent up and down the roster, then if players aren't doing these things they need to do to be prepared, then you play other guys because you have choices, right? When you have a lot less talent, you have a lot less choices. For sure. Yeah. So yeah, I think that all of this is fixable if we keep the players that are that want to be accountable, that are dedicated, and that are talented, and if we just kind of there's just just going to be turnover. Players sure. that aren't going to get with the program, they're going to self-select. You know what I mean? They're going to transfer. They're not. They're going to crash out. They're not going to hang around for long. So yes. So that'll take care of itself over time. Agree. Um, all right. You had something about freeze, <laughs> freeze and old. So what was that? I mean, after the game, Free said, I was busy recruiting, but I looked at the office game plan. And I didn't think it was very good. <laughs> That's what he said. <laughs> and a, a little bit kind of throwing the field marshal under the bus there. He did. So, and, and I, have two, I have two thoughts about this. One is, I don't like that kind of behavior. I think uh, we shouldn't throw our coworkers or our employees under the bus. No. For th- but on the other side, he is the offensive coordinator. And the offensive game plan was pretty he, he, blah. He didn't lie. So, That's the thing. You yeah. don't want him to say it, but he didn't. There's no lies detected. But but I also but the other part of that is I I feel like when we have a good offensive game plan, Free says I was involved, and we have a bad <laughs> yes. one. He says that ah. was those guys over there. That was those I guys. The hell they were smoking. So I. <laughs> It's, I, I don't like that. Dichotomy. I'm gonna. He I'll send like, this. I'll send this audio clip to Freeze so that, Coach, what did you think about uh, what was probably going on in the offensive uh, staff room before the game? Smoke weed every day. That's what they were up to. <laughs> That's what they were up to over there, man. I don't know. And so I want to. And I understand in in this 
year since he started, he's had to spend more of his time on recruiting and less of his time like managing the football team and on the offensive stuff that he wants to be involved in. Right. And I would say as we go into this year, as we go into 2025, those things should normalize mm-hmm. and he should be spending a normal amount of time and effort recruiting versus managing the team versus offensive game planning and scheming. Mm-hmm. And I would say a if you want something comparable, I would say Steve Sarkeesian at Texas is the offensive coach and game and calls the plays during that game. And they also just landed a top 10 recruiting class and played in the playoff. So yeah. that is the, if freeze wants to be that guy, it is possible to get there. You have to, at some point, you know, balance the things and focus on the stuff that's important. But the other part is I think we do have to show a little bit of proof of concept in this next year. Of yes. Offensive success, but also like, we haven't beaten a team with the winning record yet. Mm. So we need to do that part. Yeah. We've come awfully close, but yeah. Yeah. Coach Freeze, what what do you think about your offensive uh, game plan and your staff this week? There they are. Oh, they know the shame on their country. Yeah, well, there you go. All right. So um, I still feel like we were close this year. I, again, I'm not trying to make excuses and sunshine. No, I think it's stuff. a true statement. Like it's, we were close in a lot of games. This year reminded me a lot of 1999, right? The beginning of Tuberville. We had because uh, in '99, think about it. In '99, we lost at home to Ole Miss. We lost at home to Mississippi State. Either one of those games we would have won would have gotten us into a bowl. We lost them both. But then we turned around and went over and played really well against Georgia and LSU, and pretty fair against Alabama until we lost, you know, at the end. And so, which was a good Alabama team that year. And so. Um, Kind of the same way this year, right? We, we we lost some games we shouldn't have, but we also played really well against Georgia and Alabama. And um, and so, um, yeah, it, it feels like, you know, turning a little bit of a corner and, and things are going to get better. I feel like things are looking up and getting better. I had the usual suspects on Twitter trying to troll me into, you know, oh, well, hey, we didn't, you know, we didn't go 13-0 and this year, so freeze sucks. And I'm like, no, 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 uh- come on. I, I mean, again, when he was hired, I said this, and so I want to be consistent. I said I would judge him for the on-the-field results in 2025. Yeah, that's good. Yeah, I mean, we weren't even close to having – I mean, we're, we're just beginning to build a competitive yes, team I, with the teams that we play. It's the truth, and I think people get tired of hearing that, but it's still the truth. It is the so. truth. All right. Uh, so, in uh, let's see, in other news, the basketball team continues to rock and roll. We beat UT Chattanooga 101 to 66. That game was awesome. Um, it was good. It was to a have- very, very nice palate cleanser after the bowl game. I'll say that. Yes, absolutely. It was good to have something to go to where Auburn looked dominant and won after we had kind of flip, flittered around in that bowl game. Um, I, everybody's playing really well, but Jalen Williams, just incredible. Had He was 9-for-9 nine nine from the field, 2-for-2 two two free throws, 21 points, uh, just knocking everything down and just taking over when he wanted to. I, you know, I mean, um, what can you say about Jalen Williams? Well, I think we've always wanted him to be more aggressive and assertive on yeah. offense. And I feel like with his experience and especially coming off that Indiana game, he started to believe and have the confidence to do those things, right? Mm-hmm. And I think 
He is willing to be more aggressive, some of which because the team needs him to be, but some of which is also because he's playing so well, he's feeling it. Mm-hmm. But he is absolutely on fire right now and, and playing his best basketball of his career. And I think he's, you know, a real X factor for us, a guy that could, you know, a guy that could end the year and be an all conference kind of player. Um, and it's a real mismatch problem for some other teams. So I'm excited to see where he goes and I, how, you know, how, how we get there. But I, you have to feel good for him, you know, for putting team first for a long time and now kind of uh, coming out and, and doing this stuff. He just needs a little more KD or Dylan in him. I like that he's so smooth and calm. I think that's he a is. good thing. He's serene. Yes. But yes. If, he had, if he had KD's personality, good Lord. Of course, he'd also be trying three-pointers from the midcourt stripe every time he got the ball, which is kind of what KD does, but that's okay. Um, yeah, so uh, you don't really see him screaming and yelling and jumping up and down like some of them, but he has been incredible. Uh, Janai Broom still kind of having – let's put it this way. I feel like this season Broom has been very mid for him, but when he's mid, that's still really good. In other yes. words, I think that his ceiling is a lot higher, and he's still kind of he still kind of mucks around in the middle of his potential range a lot of the time. That's fair. I think he's playing well, but you you want to see him closer to his full potential game in and game out. Mm-hmm. And I think there's some games where we need him, and some games where we don't. Yeah. Um, but I also think like he's making a difference on defense and rebounding and these other things. Uh, there are some shots I wish he didn't take or whatever, or some shots I wish he was a little bit better at, you know, mm-hmm. but he, I think he is his experience and his, you know, kind of veteran knowledge at this point really enabled him to have a big advantage over a lot of the other post players around that we're that we've seen and that we're going to see. He's continuing, not as much, but he's continuing to try to shoot three pointers mainly because the NBA scouts told him that's what they, yeah. he needs to do to get in the NBA. And he's not really yeah. good at it yet. No. Uh, so that's a lost possession if we don't get the rebound every time he tries it. And then he he gets down in the paint and he shorts it a lot. You notice that? He always mm-hmm. he'll hit the yeah. rim. I need him to put about three more inches on the arc when he shoots those, those little skyhook type things, you know, the baby skyhook yeah. and stuff that he does. If he could just do that, I feel like <laughs> he'd be so much more effective. I mean, he's still he's really good, but... I need him to be a little bit more. So he had like in this game, he had 18 points, eight rebounds, and four blocks, which is fantastic. I feel like he could have had 28 points and you know 12 rebounds and but you know whatever. That's I'm be picky, but um, all right. So what do we got coming up? So tonight, as we record this Tuesday, January 2nd, we play have a home game against Penn. Yes. At nine Eastern, eight Central. Which it wasn't so Network. late. Yeah. Uh, East, as an East Coast person who stayed up very late last night watching the playoff, it's going to be a challenge for me. Yeah. And then uh, Saturday, SEC play begins this coming Saturday, January 6th in Fayetteville. Oof. Yeah, they haven't been great, Arkansas, as good as we thought they were going to be. But still, that's a tough place to play, and they're always a tough out for us for some reason. Yes, so. it's going to be a it's going to be a good game. Two p.m. Eastern on ESPN two on Saturday. There we go. All right, so there's the basketball team. Uh, a quick book update. All the books have pretty much. I think I've got one left that 
I still haven't got the address from, but I mean, out of all the copies, out of 150, one person didn't give us their address. It's sooner or later, they're going to look her up and go, why did I never get that book? And they'll go, they'll go online and they'll see that I've been messaging them for two months and then they'll hopefully send me their address. But uh, the books are all gone the first time ever about the 1989 Iron Bowl. And I appreciate all the people that asked about it. It'll be along soon. John and I just have to work out where we're going to do a book signing we've talked about maybe somewhere in Birmingham it's looking like maybe there's a there's a books a million in uh, in southern Birmingham there uh, down around the Galleria area I think there's one there's a somebody told us there's a little professor bookstore in in Homewood that might be good so there's Hoover there's Homewood we got some options we'll talk to them and then there's Auburn of course the AU bookstore usually has us in to do this uh, so hopefully during a basketball game day, we can do it uh, on a Saturday or something coming up or, or whatever day it was that we've talked about. So that'll be probably in March. So the book will probably be on sale probably the beginning, early March uh, on Amazon and bookstores and stuff when we figure out what we're going to do with that. But we appreciate everybody that bought a copy so far. And we've been hearing good things, hearing good things. I've also, um, I'm planning on putting together some kind of an email newsletter thing to let people know when our stuff is available, when we're going to do a book signing, you know, when episodes of the podcast are out, that kind of thing. So I'm going to don't um, don't be surprised if you see an invitation to join that. All right. Do you want to go ahead and do the bowl pick and then I'll thank the patrons? Man, I, I got the there was a time a few days ago that I was tied for first in the bowl pick and I am now in 21st, John. Mm. Mm. It all fell apart for me. I, I think it's it's. It's been a really fun bull pick this year. A lot of you know uh, changes in the results of the standings. Just churning. Just churning, yeah. Alone in first place after the playoff games last night, the, the group entry name is Ward Dam Krampus, and it's Mandy Thompson at 27 wow. and 15 is alone in first place. Um, Incredible. She is one game ahead of uh, Winston Bodie. Mm-hmm. Um and a couple of games ahead of a few other people. Uh, so, you know, it's going to be interesting. I have not looked ahead to see who picked, you know, which team to win the finals, but it may come down to that in the yeah. tiebreaker. Yeah. I can, so I can report, by the way, that today for the first time, all this bowl pick Boris the Tiger has a winning record. He started out in the hole, but he's really come on late. So look out. Look out. Uh, yeah, Boris is, I think, down there with me. Uh, you know, like up just above 500. So yeah. it's impressive because there's been a lot of weird upsets this bowl season, oh, yeah. and it, it's been uh, a good uh, thing. There's some great entry names as well. I appreciate all the listeners being creative. Mm-hmm. Um, there's a team called Pat Dye's Lost Pants. <laughs> That's always uh, a classic. <laughs> and, and there's uh, George Gaston has one that no one picks like Gaston. I, I, I appreciate mm-hmm. that. That is good. And, um, you know, uh, turf toe, Saban's hair dye, <laughs> you know. Uh, so I think those are all those are all pretty good. So there it is, good deal. All right, so there's only one game left to go, right? To one decide. game left, and so. that will decide who wins the AU Wishbone uh, Bowl Pick'em, and that winner will have eternal glory. They will. Yeah, people still talk about Boris's great win two years ago. Um, we had 60- Boris still talks about Boris. Boris still talks about- 
<laughs> That's the truth. We have uh, we had like sixty something entries, right? That's a whole bunch this year. So. It is. That's exciting. It's fun mm-hmm. to, to to do this with everybody, and you get a chance to beat Van and I, which most of you are doing. So yeah, most people do. Yeah, <laughs> I can't believe it. I was in first place momentarily. Uh, your daughter and I have spent a lot of this time basically tied for like fourth, fifth, sixth, but it all kind of came apart. It all unraveled last night. So because I had I had Alabama, I had Texas. <laughs> And I had um, 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 Iowa. Oh, that was stupid. Why would I ever think that? It is funny, by the way, to note, though, that as of the way the, bowl, the way the conferences are going to be aligned going forward, last night was two Big Ten teams beating two SEC teams. That's right. That's so strange, but it's true. All right. Uh, we've got to thank the patrons who who are playing in that and also keep the program on the air, keep us going. We, we appreciate you guys so much. Uh, if you want to join their ranks and be eligible for so, I guess our next big thing will be the NCAA tournament bracket, so you don't want to miss out on that. That's coming up in a couple of months. So go to www.auwishbone.com, www.auwishbone.com. Oh, by the way, programming note, folks, uh, just before we recorded this show, John and I recorded our eighth annual Lord of the Rings movie trivia contest, where John and I take turns asking each other questions from Lord of the Rings Trivial Pursuit based on the movies. And that's going to go up on the White Rocket Entertainment feed probably later today or tomorrow morning. Um, I may just go ahead and post both this show and that one today since a lot of folks are off and stuff. Um, but that'll be up soon. That's the um, Every year, John and I quiz each other on Lord of the Rings trivia. It was a really fun show, about an hour long. Check that out at the White Rocket Entertainment channel, which is the sister show of this show, one of them. Um, all right, so www.auwishbone.com. Here are the fine folks keeping the program going. They include, um, they include Samuel Salvatore says. Tonight's forecast: a freeze is coming with pearl white snow. Amen. Uh, Carl von Drunker, Chris and Clinton Stewart, Doctor Crackham, Logan Chilton says. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's about right. Uh, Ann Pridgen, Bill Weathers, Bradley Blackman, David W.D.E. Sammons Esquire, Earl Ricks, Eric Morgan, Gary Grant, a.k.a. you fan at KSC. If, if Carol Shelby would have seen Billy Napier on Wednesday, he would have said... I don't speak Italian, but he ain't happy. <laughs> that's still one of the great lines. Did you see the Billy Napier uh, cartoon with the yes. nin- Ninja yes. Turtles? Yes. Uh, that was excellent. Yeah. If you don't know what we're talking about, Google uh, Nick Saban Ninja Turtles <laughs> meme. Uh, Matt Flowers, Michael Kirshner, Phil Amthor says, no! No! This was me in the first quarter. Come on, Maryland. No! And and let's be honest, John, when the first quarter started going that way, were you really shocked? I mean, I was surprised, and then I kind of went, yeah, it's, that was one of the options. I wasn't happy. No. But, no. I, I was kind of like, yeah, this was one of the two or three things I could have. Like, if you had said to me, what's going to happen at the beginning of the game? I'd have said either Auburn Blossom you know, takes off or it's a 0-0, zero, zero, or they blow us away. It was one of those options I just felt like, I was kind of like, yeah, yeah, after the New Mexico State game, I was like, yeah, this was this was definitely one of the things that could have happened. 
It's fair. <sighs> so, all right. Um, Richard Stevens, Steve Trawick, Susan Trawick, Trombone Tiger, Willie Carden. When Carol wants a Zoe Slaughter jersey for Christmas, we know what he's talking about now. Um, that was from the volleyball team, right? Yep. Alex Brown, Auburn Football's Elvis, Ben Bloodworth, Bleeds Orange and Blue, Bob WDE Salmons Esquire, a.k.a. 76 Tiger, Sleazy Shyster for... Joe's Barbecue Foot Massage! Uh, Boris says, bring back Guess the Game. Well, we did, Boris. Okay. Chad McDowell, Chris Hilton, Chris Thrash, Daniel Odom, Bobby, Harry Zagger, uh, H-Town Danny, Humiliated Again. Oh, that's a good one. In Home Hugh, <laughs> Jacob and Robin Fleming, Catherine England, Kevin Smith, Lane Middleton, Mickey B. Uh, let's see. We've got the old... Um, Tonight's forecast. A freeze is coming. Well, we'll see. We'll see what happens with the portal this time around. We'll see. No one fights like Gaston. Algorithm and Blues, Paul Miles, Rhodesian Mudflap. <laughs> it may be a drink. I'd like a, a Rhodesian Mudflap and a, and, mm. a, and a vodka tonic. Rich Reimer, Rusty Owens, spaces between ladder rungs have increased because people are taller. Manufacturers claim it is climate change. Oh, God almighty. Oh, ouch. Good. Gosh almighty. Steve Harlan, Theodore Geary, Todd Robinson, uh, WDE Richie, we need a quarterback and happy new years. Okay. Weagle Weagle, Wes Atkinson, William Morgan, Winston Body, Auburn Blue, Bama was grabbing face masks like it was a national title from the 20s. Amen. Uh, Blake Heron, Boris the Tiger, what <clears throat> has a winning record? Brandon Smith, Charles Mooney, Corey Smyer, David D., David Simpson, Josh Teal. Just wait till next year. That's what I'm counting on. Kevin Mahan, Luther and Kelly Ottaway, Mandy Thompson. Hey, there's our current leader, right? I think it was Mandy Thompson that's our current that's leader. That's right. Yeah. Melissa Blackstone, Papa Todd, Patrick Williams, and our one-time and anonymous donor. Ah! Pausing the sleaze jokes out of respect for the season. Just know I'm still thinking it. I'm thinking that's going to change soon. We'll see what he comes up with. He or she. I think it's he. Philip Martin, Randall Walker, Rob Morgan, Russell Milling, Sarah Hines, Sasquatch, Shane Bailey, Shannon Butson, Stephen Houston, Tim Pittman, Timothy, Tony Perry, Weagle87, Woody the Jag, at the Mad Reaper Pepper Company on Instagram. I put some on my Christmas dinner the other day. It was really good. It's super hot. A few more patrons left. Alex Wynn, AU Falling Up, Barles Charkley, Ben Amos, Ben Regus, Chris Como, Chris Braun, Clay Henson, Construction Tiger, Daniel Barnett, Darren Pyle, Elizabeth Donald. We uh, to get better at celebrating. I am Tiger, Evil HR Director of... Joe's Barbecue Foot Massage! Glad they've got an HR Director there because they've got so many employees. Um, oh, <laughs> let me see if I can uh, do the soundboard for this one. I'm John Ringer. There it is. <laughs> <laughs> I'll buy this for a dollar. James Taylor, Jim McCrory, John Atsuki, uh, Joey Miller, JT Jarhead, Justin Bean, Mark Squire, MVP Captivating Kathy Bright. You don't have any friends. Not after the way Nobody you likes you. Not after the way John did in the in the trivia competition today. Oh, spoiler, spoiler. 
<laughs> no, that was a it was a tough fight, but it didn't it didn't work out as well this year as it has in some years. Uh, New York Tiger Paul Banks and Rich Hammett usually were like dead even, uh, but John got the hard questions this year. Royce Alvarez, Russell Souther, Ruth and Darren Sutherland, Spanky. I am at the bottom of this list because. Scott Wilson. You can, monkey boy. Sports Illustrated's Auburn Elvis, Stephen Thompson, Steve Bailey, the Slinko family, Tim Sauls, Trevor Johnson, Brent Rummel, plus our one-time and anonymous donors. We thank you all. Go to www.auwishbone.com. And now we've done the bowl pick'em, so... It's time instead for. How does this work again? They guess a play from an audio file. I don't remember this, but okay. Hey, well, <laughs> hey uh, Van, John, and the rest of the AU Wishbone family. This is Jared Albrecht, the yard sale artist, here with guess the game number one hundred and eight. Guess the game one hundred and eight is brought to you by Jeremy Sims. Since I had to look way, way back in my emails to do these Guess the Games. I just did a search for Guess the Game in my email and discovered I had had a send-in from Jeremy Sims back in February of 2022 that I had never opened. (laughs) Wow. Jeremy, you get the most patient AU Wishbone fan award as we listen to what you sent in. Signals, headsets, they got everything the middle. No, I'm sorry. He goes right. Still loose. Oh, did he accelerate? How about Oh, my that? goodness. Touchdown, Auburn. All right, guys, I will see you in the hint file. All, All right. right. That's the easiest we one. We know this before 2002. <laughs> <laughs> this is an email. Um, that was the CBS crew. Yeah. But it was Vern. Yeah. It so was. at least a couple of years ago, right? And they only do the big games, CBS. This is true. This, the, uh, so a player ran, look, it was going to rub the middle, but ran. This is true. And accelerated and pulled away from the defense. Do you have thoughts? I think this is the easiest one we've ever gotten, and I knew what it was immediately. The okay. funny thing is, there was a clue at the very beginning, before we even knew what the play was, right, where um, Gary Danielson was saying, they've got headsets, they've got signs, they got all this, and that immediately made me think of Gus's offense when they used to talk about how he had the guy signaling, they had the little boards they would flip. Mm-hmm. You remember, this was before yep. we played... Yep. When we played Oregon, Gus changed to the signs, but they used to have those numbers and letters and mm-hmm. colors on the little board and all. So I was immediately thinking about one of the games where uh, Chiswick was the coach and Gus was the offensive coordinator. Then as soon as Vern made the call, that's one of the most famous non-Auburn network calls. And I'm surprised you're not – I'm frankly surprised that you don't know it immediately. I mean, there is a play where – yeah, where Cam runs down the right-hand side and dives in the end zone or whatever. I think it's that play. There's a couple of plays like that, but I yes. think it's one of those, yeah. Well, at first, I but it, it went the other direction. I thought it was the you know the run at the end of the LSU game. Um, the not, you know, not by Cam. Oh, the um, um, Ontario McCaleb. Yeah, I thought it was the McCaleb play, but that was to the left and not to the right. So. You're right. You're correct. I was going to say, when he says accelerates or whatever – 
mm-hmm. want you to imagine the person he's accelerating away from is Patrick Peterson. No, I I don't think it I okay, it may be that play. I've seen that play a thousand times like everybody else, and I'm not I feel like there's more happening in that play. But he's running away from other people, dodging other people, and maybe there's less commentary and more just visuals mm. than I remember. Mm-hmm. Um but I feel like more happens. That's the way the human uh, brain works, though. We imagine things to be different from how they actually are after in, in legendary moments like that. That's absolutely yes. a thing. All no, right, I, so would, we, I would bet my Cam, house, my life, and every cent I have. I, what, <laughs> what okay, that it's Cam, LSU, the big run up the middle. Fired up. Here we are in the hint file. Let's get rid of those bleeps that will make everything come together for you if you haven't gotten it already. Signals, headsets, they got everything. Newton, up the middle. No, I'm sorry, goes right. Still loose. Oh, did he accelerate? How about Oh, my that? goodness. Touchdown, Auburn. There you go. I'll see you in the answer file. Your thoughts now? No, you're correct. That's the play. <laughs> they just, but did, you're right. There's some more going on, but he just doesn't say it, I guess. Yes. Like, Cam almost goes down and kind of mm-hmm. catches himself with his hand. Yep, yep, uh, yep. But then also, the you know, when he accelerates away from Peterson is when they're saying that, and then he goes in the end zone and does the, the Superman pose thing with there. Well, Peterson kind of brings him down in the end zone, and the ball comes out, and the other players all jump on the ball, but Cam knows it's a touchdown, so he's already up yeah. doing the Superman thing while everybody else is diving on the ball, and they're saying it's a touchdown. People kind of forget that it, it almost was a turnover there. Um, but also the part where he says, he no, wait, he goes right at the beginning is it looked like he was going up the middle and he kind of faked and ran around to the right end or something. Or he, or he, hand, he, he I think he faked the handoff maybe to Dyer or something, and then he ran to the right, which is more of a yep. – that was more of a Nick Marshall kind of a run than the, than the usual cam runs up the middle. So, But, yeah, so that's, uh, we are, that's, that's what it is. Let's get the answer file. All right, John, Van, if you guys figured out that this is Auburn playing LSU in 2010, then, of course, you got it. Thanks to Jeremy Sims for sending that in. If you'd like to be like Jeremy and send in a play for Guess the Game, you can find me at Yard Sale Artist on X, on Facebook, on Instagram, or you can email me directly at Jared, that's J-A-R-R-O-D, at theyardsaleartist.com. Until next time, Van, John, Borigo. And Jared had a message he wanted us to run here. Hey there, AU Wishbone listeners. I wanted to offer you guys something of a special deal. This is for the folks who have ordered Van and John's books, We Believed, and First Time Ever. As most of you know, I did the illustrations in both of those books, and I still have the originals, the original pieces that I drew before they got scanned in and turned into those books that I am going to make available at a special price just for you AU Wishbone listeners if you're interested. If you want the original drawing that I did for first time ever, I am making it available here to the AU Wishbone listening audience for just... $40. That's right. $40. I will send you the original drawing. It's on 9 by 12 Bristol paper, and I will send it directly to your house for the low price of $40. I also still have on 9 by 12 Bristol paper all 10 of the drawings 
that I did for oh, We wow, Believed. I'm offering those also at $40 a piece. I'd much rather move them as a set since they do all go together for that book. If you're interested in the set, since there is 10 of them, I will drop that down to 300 for the set. So essentially you're getting all 10 for $30 a drawing. These are the originals. They're not copies. They're not prints. This is the original My Ink on the Bristol board. If that's something you're interested in, you can hit me up as usual at Yard Sale Artist on X, Facebook, or Instagram. Or you can email me directly at Jared, that's J-A-R-R-O-D, at theyardsaleartist.com. And I certainly thank you for your support of John and Van's books. And if you're interested in picking that art up on the cheap, just let me know. War Eagle, everybody. All right, good deal from Jared there. I'm glad he uh, is making those available. We love the, the artwork that he did for those books. So yes. That's cool. Thank you, Jared, for your help with the book. Yeah. Um, all right, let's see. I guess at this point. Thank you. Order questions to the Prime Minister. It's time for listener questions. Dun, 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 on the AU Wishbone Podcast. All right, I can kind of imagine what we got this week, but what do we got? All right, first question was some listener Samuel Salvatore. This was a, I'm looking at the timestamp during the game email, mm, so you can mm-hmm. imagine how that went. He says, Uh-oh. hello guys at War Eagle, happy new year. What loss was the worst loss this season? Was it New Mexico State or no Tagovailoa, Maryland? That was an absolutely pathetic performance. A freeze should be ashamed. He lost to a backup quarterback. Regardless, mm-hmm. I hope Cam and Perry are ready for the pressure because Auburn has no receivers at all right now. Yeah. Well, we've got four coming in, and then and then we've gotten two transfers, right? That's right. Um, we got the guy. We, from- get, we did. We have not talked about the the. We talked about the Georgia State transfer. Yeah. Uh, but we've not talked about Sam Jackson, who's the Cal quarterback slash wide receiver who's coming, uh, who is actually a high school teammate of Peyton Thorne, who's coming to be a wide receiver next year. See, now I'm going to have to go out and get Samuel Jackson audio clips. I know I am. I'm just uh, – there's one that's going to have a lot of bleeps in it, but uh, <laughs> that's kind of Samuel Jackson, isn't it? Um yeah, so that'll be interesting. We will have a couple of uh, we'll have four rookies and a couple, at least a couple of new transfers, and then whoever's left over from this crowd. I, my, the, one of the things that made me happy of, over the last couple of days is there's a lot of Cam Coleman highlights from this Under Armour All American camp where he's out there playing against top cornerbacks in the country and making spectacular catch after spectacular catch, and it is warms my heart. Ah, hurry. Come on. All right. But I, I want to, if, if which was a, I want to answer this question though. Which do you think was a worse loss, New Mexico State or Maryland? Oh, New Mexico State was like the worst, lo- in terms of who we were playing, the worst loss in 50 years. Agree. I, I agree with that. Um, all right. Uh, next is a listener question from friend of the podcast, Jared, um, who says, um, We had a rough last three years. I need Van and John to give me some perspective on what is the worst three years in Auburn history from their point of view. Well, I mean, if we don't go back to like the early 50s or something before we hired Suge, which was pretty we bad, can. right? We can. I mean. There was some time in there before we brought in Suge that was, that's when Alabama had Bear and was really coming on and we were like in deep trouble. Then we, I mean, well, actually, no, we brought in Suge. I'm, I'm backwards. We brought in Suge in like 50. 
in the mid early mid fifties, and by fifty seven we had the national championship. They brought Brian in the very next year, fifty eight. It's kind of a reaction to us having won the national championship. Um, I think that's right. So the earlier years, like the late 40s, early 50s, before we got Suge, were pretty bad. And then, of course, the other period that's really bad is the mid to late 70s when Suge was kind of at the end of his run and Barfield was not doing too great. We had one or two, we had one or two decent seasons in there with Barfield where we had Cribs and Brooks and Andrews. But there were also – and we didn't go to any bowl games in those years. Even the one year we actually had like a nine and – we, had, we were like eight and three or something one of those years, and we didn't get to go to a bowl game because we were on probation again. So, yeah, the early 50s and the late 70s are kind of the two dark ages, I think, for us. I think it's fair. I think uh, for comparison purposes, 75, 76, 77, we won four games, four games, and six games. Yeah. Um, but I think we had some talent on that roster, right? I mean, I, uh, but it still worked great. And then the other period, Vance, talking about the the early, like uh, 49, 50, 51, we won two games, zero games, and five games, and then yeah. two games in 52. So that was a that was a pretty dark period right there. That was when we went out and brought Suge home, yeah. I think he yeah. had been – I think he had been like the Georgia basketball coach of all things before we hired him to be our football coach. I mean, can you imagine? <laughs> I don't even know who Georgia's <laughs> basketball coach is right now, but can you imagine Auburn hiring him to replace Hugh Freeze? Remember they hired the, the guy that Florida was like kind of unhappy with and the Georgia oh, yeah. upgraded and they're happy and Florida was like, oh, we got a better guy anyway. So. That's right. And it's worked out for both of them to a certain degree. White? Is his name White or something like that? Maybe. Anyway. Imagine us hiring him to be the Auburn football coach. It's a different world now than it was in 1950-whatever. That would melt people's brains. I know that. <laughs> we've, we've hired uh, Calipari to be Auburn's football coach. <laughs> <laughs> the, who's the Texas A&M coach that's always standing out on the court? Yeah. Oh, hey, he looks like a football coach. I could, Yeah, we could hire him for sure. Yeah. All right. Our next question's uh, from Tim Sauls, who says, Guys, with the advent of this um, – uh, restraining order regarding transfer requirements. It seems to me the NCA is un- underutilizing NIL national letter of intent. Every student athlete has to have an NLI to compete. Currently, the NLI is a one-year-only contract and binds the student to the school and binds the school to provide the scholarship. There are other items, but effectively that is all it does. Why should the NLI not have other contractual requirements? The football coaches are crying about the current situation. Okay, put in stipulations to fix these current problems. Unregulated transfers and non-medical opt-outs should be controlled or mitigated by a super NLI. Many other items could be included. I'm not a lawyer, so I don't know about restraint of trade or myriad other legal issues, but why not thoughts? And then he says, by the way, I'm enjoying the new book. Good job, Tim mm. Sauls. Mm, thanks. Appreciate that very much. Yeah, no, that's good stuff. I don't know. I mean, I think that some kind of change like that is coming. I don't think we're going to have the Wild West or whatever for too much longer. Agree. But I, it's there's some point in here when you're talking about an employment contract and not a yeah intent to sign a play athletics at a school, right? Right. Um, because then you're saying, like, again, regular students can transfer, but athletes can't because why? Um, and so I think that's a, it's interesting uh, using the NLI as that vehicle. Um, and I think we have seen some players sign the NLI instead of the other scholarship papers in certain circumstances. But I think um, it, it could be turned into this, but I think we're gonna, you're going to run into more uh, 
legal issues, which are where the NCAA keeps losing these kind of battles in court where players, where people would say, if you're going to put those restrictions on them, those are illegal or that makes them employees. And they definitely don't want that. Um, and a lot of but they this, have talked – go ahead. No, I was just going to say a lot of this just goes back to the fact that the NCAA itself is nowhere near as powerful and influential as it was just a few years ago. Yes, that's right. And it's a it's a membership organization. There's no strong central authority. Mm-hmm. It's the it has as much power as pe- as the colleges want it to have. That you know that was interesting. I saw a thing uh, just the other day, that, like a question and answer fact type thing, where it was saying um, they were saying does um, you know what can the schools do about this and that with NIL? And the answer was always it's it's made up of the schools it's not like you know, people act like it's this alien power that yeah. descended from jupiter Outside. it's it's the schools themselves agreed on rules to regulate themselves yes it's not like how do we get around this alien power trying to dictate to us it's change your mind get enough well, other schools also, to change their mind change your mind but also be proactive and not mm-hmm. reactive and they have a, have a very hard time doing that because it requires consensus among a yes. bunch of people with different interests so. there you go all right i next emails from uh, listener steve reardon who says if you're looking for intro music for your basketball segment on the a wishbone listen to the song basketball jones by chris rock and barry white it might have some not safe for work lyrics but the first few seconds might fit in nicely with what you're looking for Sorry to end my sentence with a preposition, but what the heck? Keep <laughs> up the good work, especially in the analytics. And he says, P.S. If you find my suggestion helpful, please reward me by permanently discarding the 12 days of Auburn song. <laughs> he didn't like Boris's song? Wow. It's I thought only Jared didn't like it. Mixed reviews. Um, so what was the name of the song? Uh, the name of the song was Basketball Jones by Chris Rock and Barry White. Okay, I'll check it out. All right, and then our last email is from Mr. Ryan Brown, who asked a good question. He says, now that we reached the end of Coach Freeze's first season, let's give him a report card. Please mm. assign letter grades to the following criteria. So I'm going to read the criteria, all of them, and then we'll go back and do letter grades, all right? Let's do it. The first, uh, here's the criteria. Recruiting, team culture and player development, public relations and rep- representing Auburn, Game preparation and in-game decision-making, mm. on-field success, and then considering all of the above an overall grade for the season. Okay? Okay. Let's do it. All right. I'm so ready. The first category is recruiting. A. A. Agree. I don't. I mean, I, I do not think we could expect more. I, you want to go A+. Plus? I'm willing to go A+. Plus. I, I mean, I think it's A or A+. Plus. I think we're yeah. excellent. In between. Right. Team culture and player development. B+. Plus? I'm gonna say B. I mean, I think okay. some of the culture stuff that we talked about a little bit in the, with the stuff from the uh, the post game discussions, but also I think there were players who developed. I think it got better. Yeah. Uh, public relations and representing Auburn. I think it's been fine. A. Yeah, I think he hasn't done anything to cause yeah. problems in that area. And I well, think I mean, especially considering what people were worried about at the very beginning. Yes, it's fair. It's been it's been great. Game preparation and in-game decision making. Well, uh, so I think is that there's a mixed bag here, right? We have to weigh it all. We have to say we had a great game plan and we were very prepared for Georgia and Alabama, Mm -hmm. but we also have the New Mexico State, you know, A and M, LSU, Maryland game. So I'm I'm gonna say, you know, 
I'm gonna say a B or B minus here because I think this is there's yeah. some real there's some real uh, bad results in with the good results. I yeah B minus I I could go down to C plus except that we did yes. do really well in some of the games. So it's I get know. it. If the Georgia and Alabama games were not here, this would be like a D, right? Oh yeah, like a C minus for sure. So yeah, but I think the the game preparation and in game decision making was really good in those two games. So. Yes. Um, on field success. I think you said earlier, like we we could have done a little bit better in terms of the wins mm-hmm. this year. That we were in games that we could have won, um, but I mean, I'm a B plus. I I think yeah. we we I think we could have won eight games if everything went the right way. Yeah, um, yeah I think so. And then overall grade. Uh, it sounds like a B to me. We haven't gone below there. Yeah, I think I, the, mean, I think it's B plus. B plus overall grade because that recruiting. Yeah, and way up there, and everything else is kind of in that yeah B range, B plus. But feeling it's a it's a it's a it's a smiley face B plus, not a frowny B plus. You put those stickers on your exams when you grade it, and a smiley <laughs> face. I I I do think um, what you said is uh, there matters because I think if there's an element of do we have hope or not. Yeah, and I think for a long time we have not had hope. That we could overcome our rivals and be competitive with them and uneven keel. And I think right this minute, people think we can get there. We yeah. won't be there tomorrow or August 1st of 2024, but we will get there. Yeah, it's a different, it's a whole different thing now than it was. And that's, yes. that's right. good. That's it for listener questions. All right. We're in the home stretch now. We're getting there. Just a little quick look at the bowl games, I guess. All right, so A&M let me down on Wednesday the 27th. I was disappointed there because I figured A&M could, uh, with their defensive front and everything, could control that game, and they didn't. Um, I agree with you. I picked them, but I, I, in hindsight, the, you know, they had a lot of lost a coach and a lot of player opt-outs. That was, yeah, yeah. yeah. Uh, let's see, Clemson beat Kentucky. I called that one, but. Um, that was a really good game. It looked like Kentucky was going to win, and then Clemson just fought back at the end and reminded us that they're not completely gone, maybe out of the picture as a decent team. And it was it was kind of a sleepy defensive game in the first three quarters, and then it just took off, and the last quarter was awesome. Yeah, really it really good was. And, you know, it's funny, too, because I'm enjoying seeing Clemson with these gust-type records, 8-5, and 9-4 type, 8-5, and five, whatever records, in the ACC – because, you know, they had that sort of unnatural period there from about 2015 to 2021 or so, somewhere in there, where they were just way better than they have any business being. And I'm just glad to see them kind of get put back in their place, to be honest. I don't want return, Clemson. Return to reality. Yeah, yes. I don't need Clemson being like another, you know, I don't need them up there where it is funny over the years, different teams will kind of rise to the surface and have their little run and then sink back down again. Uh, you know, probably the most famous one would be Miami from the 80s and 90s up to about 2001, and then they sunk back down again. And Clemson kind of did that for five or six years, and hopefully they're going to sink down again for a while and be be a 7-5 and five team going forward, which is what I think they are. Uh, let's see, Missouri beat Ohio State 14-3. to That was an ugly game, but Missouri just gutted it out, and just did, they just shut Ohio State down. They, did, they played really well in that game. And Ohio State, even with the opt-outs, has a lot of talent. And uh, Missouri played well. It was a big, a big win for them. And, you know, looking back at that, I've just got to say, 
Ryan Day. You you and the Ohio State fans are on the same page there. Man. Yep. We'll see what happens. He may be available. But you know what he's turned into? He's turned into every Ohio State coach in the last 30 years before they went on their little winning streak against Michigan for a while. Remember, they'd go like 10-2. and, and yeah, Well, up until Urban Meyer, right. Up until Urban Meyer. Every Ohio State coach between Woody Hayes and Urban Meyer did exactly this. They'd go like 10-2. and two. They'd lose to Michigan. They'd lose to somebody else. They did it every year. Tressel was like that. Yep. And uh, I, I don't even remember all of them, but they were all like that. Until, until Urban Meyer. Uh, let's see. Ole Miss-Penn State. That was kind of fun. Oh, you, you kept feeling like Ole Miss wanted to pull away and just couldn't quite do it, and they finally did. My question to you, John, is how do we feel about a very, very good semi-dominant Ole Miss program? I was going to blunt these two together and say Ole Miss and Missouri – we're the kind of the surprising 10-win teams in the SEC this year, and they both have a lot coming back. And Ole Miss is even more coming back yeah. because they've been the winners of the portal. I, I'm i excited to see them, again, as the, somebody who's not on Auburn's schedule next year, somebody, yeah. a team that could be you know competing for a 12-team playoff spot. I think it's going to be entertaining. But I also think it is a Kiffin is waiting to take the next big job that comes along, and he's trying to build a short-term thing where he can get up there and people go, oh, wow, we should hire him, and then he's gone. Yep. So that's what's coming. I think it's interesting that two of the con- generally considered not dominant SEC teams, Missouri and Ole Miss, beat two of the top three dominant Big Ten teams. Yes, yes. Especially when you consider that last night, effectively, quote-unquote, two Big Ten teams beat two SEC teams in the playoffs. That's right. And yet there was Missouri and Ole Miss beating Ohio State and Penn State. Think about it. Those two games were like all-time great victories for those two programs. Those would be like up on their trophy shelf. Oh, they, they're again. Those are they're gonna talk about those games forever. Yeah, absolutely. Um, I mean, it's like if we went in the Sugar Bowl and beat, like when we beat Michigan in the Sugar Bowl, you know, for example, yeah. eighty-three or whatever. That's a great, great win. All right, let's see. Uh, on December thirtieth, Georgia just wiped the sixty-three to three Florida State. I. I mean, we can argue about the state of the roster and all that, but I just got to say, as somebody that doesn't like either one of those teams and and one of them had to be destroyed, I'm fine with Florida State. I don't don't have any more sympathy for Florida State. I I expended my sympathy for Florida State. I said my piece. (laughs) Yes. Now I can just sit back and enjoy their suffering, and that's fine because I don't like them. That's fair. I just want to say – this doesn't mean FSU wasn't good and didn't deserve to be there. Right. Yeah. Yeah, I did the little chart the other day of, like, teams that I like, okay, other than Auburn, which is Navy and Illinois, all the way down to teams that should burn in the fires of hell, and that's Alabama. Right above that, I had three, and that was Georgia, Florida, and Florida State. That's the holy evil trinity of you're not Alabama, but you're almost Fair. So this was a game of I wish they both could have lost sixty three to three, but one of them had to, and it was Florida State, and that's fine. LSU beat Wisconsin by basically driving down, coming back at the end. I didn't watch this game except for the very end, but uh, Wisconsin showed them a little something, huh? Yeah, I watched a lot of it again. Uh, Jaden Daniels for LSU did not play uh, Wisconsin. It's weird to see them throwing the ball. It's just bizarre, but they yeah. do, and they're pretty <laughs> effective at it. And huh? uh, they gave Wisconsin a good game. Um, 
They gave LSU a game. LSU without their offensive coordinator, without their quarterback. But they they showed something by just you know, kind of adjusting, dealing with it, and coming down at the end and making plays. So. Yeah. Tennessee beat Iowa. I actually had Iowa in this game, and boy, do I feel stupid. I mean, I didn't watch a second of this game. I'm just assuming Iowa had no offense and Tennessee was able to. I, Iowa never has offense, but nor- they play great defense, and normally they can kind of drag you down to the mud with them and make yeah. it a 12 to 10 game or whatever. And that's what they wanted to do. Ten- and it, again, it wasn't a terrible pick because Tennessee started a true freshman quarterback. Because this is the equivalent of like this game a year from now, Auburn started Walker White. Okay? Yeah. Wow. And that, but that guy had a really good game, and they were fine. Hmm. So. And I mean, and, uh, like Iowa drove down the field at one point, I think it was like 14 nothing, and they got to like the two yard line and threw an interception. So, so. Ugh, I'm glad I didn't watch it. All right. And then there were the playoff games last night that we both watched, um, making us stay up late. But uh, man, that Michigan Alabama game, I was screaming in the fourth quarter that it felt a lot. I said, I said, I'm not going to say what game this reminded me of, but it was played in the same stadium because mm-hmm. it was Alabama driving down the field late when Michigan scored and left too much time on the clock. And um, they ended up – they ended up. it was 20-20. to 20. If Alabama scored, they would have won there because there was no time left. But they didn't, and so it went to overtime, if I remember correctly. And then in overtime, Michigan – that Corum guy, man, just yeah. give him the ball. Dude. That was a great run. Great run. Oh, he ran over Alabama the whole game. And then they scored a touchdown on two, in two plays. And then it was all about just holding Alabama down, and they couldn't make it. They they ran up the middle on on the what fourth and goal at the three. Yep, couldn't do it. And they Michigan special teams mistakes kept Alabama in the game. You know they fumbled a punt early, and Alabama scored a touchdown there. They missed an extra point, and yep. it, or it wouldn't have gone to overtime if they had made that. Absolutely, the guy at the end almost dropped the punt and almost got a safety. <sighs> That Where have we seen that the before? Things I've ever seen. Yes. So, yeah, I think uh, Michigan's. I had too much. Up, I had too much PTSD for 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 them to be dropping punts like that. No, 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 no. I, and it, it's you and I say this all the time, but it's the truth. You got to get the wooden stake all the way in the heart, and Michigan kind of toyed around with it at the they beginning did. of the game. Oh, when they were leading by three most yes. of the game, I'm like, not enough, right. not enough. <laughs> <laughs> Not enough, Michigan. No, 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 no. I wanted to go slap Harbaugh in the face and say, "Listen to me, Jim. It's not enough. It's not enough." <laughs> and when they, but when the game was on the line and they needed to score, they went down the field and scored, and that's what took they it. They did. Overtime. They made it happen. Because when Alabama took the lead, I thought it was over. Well, I heard yeah. a stat too. I forgot where I heard this, but somebody said this was the first time in like sixty-six games. That Alabama led seven to nothing and lost. I don't know about that, but they, you know, yeah. it was a big win and a big loss, and I'm very happy about I'm it. I'm very, very happy. I, I said it's the second best thing in the world is watching Alabama lose a big game. And then uh, after that, at like three o'clock in the morning or something, Washington played Texas, and it was another really good game. This was just back and forth. This was just a really great back and forth game where it was just enough defense. There was really good defense being played on both sides that it wasn't just like a silly track meet, but there was enough offense to keep it interesting. It was just like the perfect balance that you'd want in a game. Yeah. And um, and it came down to Texas driving down. They couldn't, they couldn't do it, just like Alabama couldn't do it. But I, they got to drive down at the end of that game because Washington was stupid. Washington made a bunch of mistakes. They didn't run enough time off the clock. They could have been kneeling down. Instead, they ran their starting running back 
at the end of the game when they should have been kneeling, and he got hurt. He might miss the game next week because oh, I didn't for see. This is the part where I fell asleep. And they threw a pass and an incomplete pass and stopped the clock, allowed Texas to have another timeout. But Texas needed to be in position to do this. And then when they punted to Texas, they did the the guy ran down and basically ran into the punter, and they called interference with him and gave Texas ten or fifteen yards to start the next drive. So I think they Washington was really dumb at the end of this game and how they handled it. And that allowed Texas to get down to the field to have it, you know, a bunch of plays inside the 20 in the last 30 mm. seconds to have a chance to win. Man. So did I make the note Washington equals 2010 no, Auburn? I put that in there because I think Washington is 2010 Auburn. Here's, here's my theory. Okay. okay. Number one, great quarterback. But I would say like the quarterback and the receivers together equal Cam Newton. Okay. okay? That's fair. Um, their defense is not great, and statistically, in a lot of ways, it's bad. But they are—they make plays when they gotta have it. Their mm-hmm. defense comes through, and they make big plays. They get a sack, they get a pass breakup, or something. And their defense just just enough to get to keep the team in the game. And they do—they are below the blue chip ratio that I always talk about, where they don't have enough four and five stars on their roster um, to qualify. So. But clearly, they're a great team in a fun. The other thing is, I think they have that great offensive guru as offensive coordinator. In this case, Ryan Grubb, who, before we forget, Alabama attempted to hire last offseason Washington's offensive coordinator and did not get him. He stayed in Washington, and they hired Tommy Reese, who called that fourth and three up the middle run. (laughs) So that really had a huge impact on two different games and the way this played out. Yes, it did. That's amazing. So, yeah, so their running back is hurt, so that's interesting. Um, to play Michigan with that defense, uh, you really got to feel like Michigan has the upper. I mean, I don't know that it's going to be like Georgia TCU, but. I, Michigan is definitely has the – Michigan's defense is, you know, uh, better than Texas and, and, you know, great. But Washington's offense was amazing last night. Uh, Michael mm-hmm. Penix and his receivers were incredible. I, so this is my thing I want Auburn fans to take away from this game and think about for the future is they have three absolute stud wide receivers on that Washington team. Mm-hmm. And my dream is that like two years from now, this recruiting class will become those kind of players and those kind of difference makers, and they'll be making that kind of difference for Auburn games. Penix was slinging it like lasers, oh. and those dudes were catching it in traffic. Yeah in between defender defenders and it was incredible all right so next monday night i guess while we're doing the show unless we move it again third time in a row we'll be watching the uh the national championship game while we're doing the au wishbone uh washington versus michigan which this year would have been possibly the big 10 championship game yeah, I was going to say, it's the 2024 Big Ten Championship game yeah. in January. So weird. And and the funny thing is, it could have been the SEC Championship game. And also, it also in recent years, could have been the Rose Bowl. Mm-hmm. So this well, is that's a, the other part, is they're playing in Houston, and people are like, I wish, they wish it was the Rose Bowl. I feel bad for Washington fans, because mm-hmm. yeah, when Florida State got dropped out, Washington was supposed to be in the Rose Bowl against Michigan. This was supposed to be the first round game there, but instead they got sent to the Sugar Bowl and yeah. now the second the championship games in Houston. So it's a long way for them. Oh, did we mention that Oregon 
won a big game over Liberty. They did. I I, and, I did not mention that because they weren't an SEC team, but they had the big win over Liberty. And Bo Nix. Happy for go, Bo Nix. Yeah, yeah, goes out a big winner and all kind of records and numbers and just incredible. So, All right. Well, so we will reconvene in a week to uh, – in fact, less than a week to um, – to watch the game while we record the show and talk about it. And uh, it's been quite a week in the, uh, in the Auburn and the college football world. It's been quite a week, and um, things will calm down a little bit now. We watch the basketball game tonight, see how they do. we got Penn, and then we've got the SEC schedule starting up in basketball. That's it. We had full, full board and SEC schedule and looking forward to it. And hope everyone had a happy new year and a great 2024. There it is. All right. Well, our time is up. We thank you for yours. War Eagle, John. Rigo, man. Thanks for listening to the AU Wishbone. Find links to everything we do at www.auwishbone.com. For more Auburn fun, join us on Twitter at auwishbone and at facebook.com slash auwishbone. War Eagle. The AU Wishbone is produced by Van Allen Plexico and John Ringer. Copyright 2020. This has been a White Rocket Entertainment production. Thank you for listening to the AU Wishbone Podcast.